Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Zach Berman. Day after the Eagles beat Chicago Bears 16-15 in dramatic fashion. And they're on to the next round against the New Orleans Saint, number one seed in New Orleans, next Sunday. Zach, scene of the crime, by the way. Yeah, the scene of a 48-7 loss. Uh, certainly, I think we'll talk a little bit about that sure. game later in this podcast, obviously later in the week. But let's let's dive in a little bit about what this game means um, and, and you know, what we learned from the Eagles uh, yes. after, their, after their victory. So impressed by this win against the Bears. Really good Bears team, as we, as we talked about last week, especially defensively. Uh, what the Eagles were able to do in, you know, you look at the final score, 16-15, last second field goal, Bears miss. But I thought the Eagles outplayed the Bears throughout much of the game, especially through the first three quarters. They're, they're, they were the better team. Exactly. And like, we talk so much about this magic that they have right now, what Nick Foles is doing, and I'm guilty of it as much as anyone. But, uh, but there was, like, real tangible reasons why they won that game. They were better in third down, better in red zone. They turned the ball over twice, and they still outplayed them. I, I think that that shows you. And, but, but credit to the defense for really limiting Chicago through much of the game. And credit to the offense for playing well down the stretch there. Nick Foles made some tough throws. His playmakers really helped them out. And the offensive line did an outstanding job blocking. Uh, I, I saw the stat yesterday. You look, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt combined zero sacks against the Eagles during this winning streak. That's impressive. Yeah, they had two turnovers that came in Bears territory, no points. They had three penalties that were ill-timed. One resulted in a 19-yard loss after a punt, after Cameron Johnston dropped the punt at the one-yard line. His next punt went into the end zone. So that was costly. I think the Bears went on to kick field goal that, that, that drive. Then you had a third down penalty from Michael Bennett that offset a third down stop, kept the drive alive. That went on to kick a field goal. And then you had Nigel Bradham get called on third down. Illegal contact. After a stop. That um, sustained another drive. And then you had a couple dropped uh, turnovers. I mean, the Avante Maddox one, I can't kill him. He made a nice break on that ball and bobbled a little bit before he got um, and couldn't get both feet in bounds. Trey Sullivan dropped one in the end zone. That was a gift. So they made more mistakes, I thought, than the, than the Bears, and they were still only down by three at the half. And even in the second half, when they played a little better, they were only down by five. Um, so to me, they were the better team. And I thought a lot of it had to do – I thought a lot of it would have had to do with the quarterback. Um, but Nick wasn't great in the first half. Um, those two interceptions were not good, especially the second one. He missed a couple other guys. There was a bad third-down pass he had in the fourth quarter when he missed an open Dallas Goddard. But as you mentioned, I mean, he's just clutch. And I, I asked Nick about this after the game. Uh, I give him credit for this, that – there have been times in the past where he's made mistakes early and the game has spiraled away from him. And he's a different player now, different person now. He admitted that after the game. He said how he's learned that in the past, sometimes when you make those early mistakes, you start to force things. Yeah. Uh, he stayed within himself. I, I heard he likes to stay in the moment. <laughs> Nick Foles, that's, if you got a penny for every time he said that. But, no, that last drive, he was clutch. 
Uh, six of nine for 59 yards and a touchdown. And I, I thought your story was really good in terms of the last play of the game um, because you were on it from the beginning. That's a play they ran against Tampa Bay in 2012, Nick Foles' first win. But you you see – the thing I, li- I like about your story is it kind of shows how in sync Foles and Peterson are um, because they, they they both dialed that up there. Yeah, that, would, that doesn't seem like – you know, I, I, Nick called that shot in uh, 2012. We all know that he probably called the shot in Philly special, and Doug went along with it. And it sounds like maybe they just they had a kind of a, a similar feeling when they when they huddled up uh, after calling timeout on fourth down that this was this was the play to go to. And Doug had said that it was basically the um, it was a an attached play on two early run plays, so that um, if if Nick didn't like the the look of the of the Bears defense, he could check to that. To that sprint out, they didn't. They they ended up handing off on both occasions, and Darren Sproles was stopped uh, for no gain. So it was a play that they felt they could, they could use there against this team because, again, as they mentioned, on fourth down in those types of situations, Fangio is usually going to send it all zero yep. zero blitz, and you get man to man coverage there. So that's a play that usually you want against man to man coverage, and they felt like Golden Tate uh, could beat his man, um, and and he did. Uh, Tate, look, he, it hasn't been a great trade in terms of his production. And to some extent, they've gotten a little lucky in having these extra games. Mm-hmm. I still don't think it's going to ultimately be considered a good trade because what they're going to get in terms of compensatory pick, probably fifth rounder in 2020 versus what they gave up a third rounder. If they win a Super Bowl, sure, you're going to say it's a it's a, it's a good pick. But he caught a game when he touched down in the playoffs. Yeah. That has to count for something, doesn't it? It, it does. No, it certainly yeah. does. But I still don't think it was a good. I still thought thought it was. I still think it's a wrong trade. Yeah, I I agree in terms of the price they gave up. But it looks different now than it did two weeks ago. Absolutely, hey. absolutely. And if you know a million things don't happen, it, you know, I, look, he had five catches for forty nine. He hasn't like been unbelievable. Um, he's been fine. He's been one of the guys, and maybe that's all they wanted. Maybe that's all they thought they needed to get. Um, I feel like he can get as much production, if not more, from Dallas Goddard. Sure. But and, and we saw on Sunday that Doug used a lot more 11 than 12 personnel. That surprised some of us. We thought that they would take advantage of the advantages that they have at tight end. And, again, I still kind of feel like they probably should have. I wonder if Eddie Jackson being out of the lineup affected that. Doug said that it was based upon Fangio being able to substitute yeah. late into a down. But usually it's the offense that can, that dictates that. Yeah, I I wonder if if without Eddie Jackson they they thought there was, you know, there were more chances maybe downfield with with the receivers and they 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 found Golden Tate downfield on a real tough catch on a third down to extend it to extend a drive. I I look at it too, like and every time Doug talked about Foles' performance, Doug keeps bringing up. The playmakers making plays, and that's the point that needs to be made. Is is Nick was clutch. Nick played well, but these guys around him made plays. Dallas Goddard, I know he had the touchdown, but he also had a real nice run after the catch uh, on the, on the game winning drive. Exactly, and you know Alshon Jeffrey made a few real tough catches. Um, Nelson Aguilar made a good catch along the, the sideline earlier in the game. There were just countless examples of Ertz, Ertz, yeah, of, of guys just making plays. Wendell Smallwood even had a good, yeah, had a good run. Here's the catch. one thing: I mean, Smallwood, I guess, could be that the interception could be uh, um, considered a, a drop, but 
You don't see guys dropping passes. No. Actually, Jordan Matthews had a play. He beat a guy on a, on a, on a deep uh, route and drew a pass interfer- interfer- yeah. interference penalty. 33-yarder, I believe. Yeah. I mean, that you know that was huge. That led to a touchdown. Um, Downfield so every- threat, Jordan Matthews. Yeah. So everyone's con- uh, contributing. It's funny. They actually – he is actually in certain plays. Exactly. They took Tate off late and one down and had Matthews go on for him because mm-hmm. he was an outside route. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tate didn't seem too happy about it. This he is not slowly Jordan- walked off the field. <laughs> it's not the Jordan Matthews of old. But no, it's it's uh it's a credit to this entire offense, and it's it's not just Nick. I know there's Foles hysteria here, and Foles is the point guard. He's he's making guys around him better, but they're making plays, and I I give a lot of credit to these skill players because there have been times when they haven't made plays. All right, I want to get ahead of us a little bit here since since we got since I'm a little punchy. Are we moving on from the Bears? No, no, no. We're okay. gonna talk a little more because I want to talk about the defensive side. But okay. But I just it, you know, just with Foles and how like we're talking about all the hysteria about him, um, and and a lot of it's justified. I think I know this is going, but let's yeah. hear. It. But he didn't play well for most of the game. Okay, yeah, I, I agree and, with that. And like I just feel like, okay, I mean, he, they still got to win three games, and, and I just kind of want to like hold the phone a little bit on the on this sure. conversation about Nick and and being here beyond this next coming season. Oh, uh, I being beyond here. Yeah, I. I've never picked up the phone on that one. Like I, I still think it's Carson Wentz next year, and I haven't changed from from that. This performance that Foles had, it was like a better version of the Falcons game last year. I thought where he he wasn't very good early on, then he made plays late. Now he made more tough throws in this game, but what you remember is that Foles won the game in the second half against the Falcons. But well, he just got lucky. He didn't throw. He didn't turn the ball over in that in that. Falcons game, yeah, he and he should. Yeah. If, if uh, yeah. Neil, yeah, if Count O'Neill catches that, that's <laughs> if Count O'Neill catches that ball, we're talking about a different, a different but that's narrative. Like, but that doesn't matter. I mean, I understand. And 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 that's the, that's the thing the with the Queen Eagles. had ball, she'd be king. <laughs> I was gonna say there's certain bounces <laughs> like you know the, the ball bounces off of off of Keanu Neal's knee last year, bounces off the upright this year. Like you need certain bounces to go your way. Bounces have gone their way. Absolutely. Malcolm Jenkins said he knew all along he was going to bounce off the upright. He said that we're a team of destiny. <laughs> well, his point was, at this point, why not? That's what he said. No, I, mean, I, no, I get and it. And, like, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Malcolm right now. I, I admit, and I know our listeners might not like this, I was sitting there thinking Cody Parker was going to make that kick. But Cody Parker's no, been shaking No, I didn't, year. honestly. Really? I mean, 76% kicker this year. Because I was looking at the numbers of Cody, and I just he's, he's not a good kicker anymore. Well, he was last year. That's why he got all that guaranteed money. He was right. really effective with the Dolphins last year. This year, he's been so inconsistent. It's been a problem with the Bears all year. What, he hit four off the upright against the Packers earlier this year? Yeah. And off the upright again. You know, kickers, it's it's the Andrew Brandt line. You know, they're they're like lawyers. You know, you don't know about them until you need them. You know, you, right. you, yeah. Um, but uh, you, that was a bad miss yesterday, and that's a miss that's going to – Haunt the Bears for a long time. But um, my whole thing is, like, Nick Foles is the hero because of this or that. And and I don't think it was anything that was, like, you know. I'll, t- I'll tell you. I was sitting in the press box thinking back to Foles' first playoff game when it was, like, almost the exact same thing. Foles leaves the field with the lead. And then uh, and then there's that long kickoff return. They get downfield in the field goal range. But the Saints made that kick back in 2014. and. They uh, got closer. Bears missed it this time. Well, the kick yeah. return was a lot longer, and they got closer. Yeah. Um, and they had more time, I think, than the, than the Bears did here. But, again, I, just, I kind of want to just uh, dig a little deeper in this Carson 
Foles thing because while Carson is still going to be active, Doug said that there's really no update on him on his condition. Um, you know, Nate Sudfeld's still going to be the backup. You um, asked Doug why Carson's still active or still on the 53. And he said basically that you never know what could happen, and he, you know, down down the road. Which I interpret to mean like Nick Foles could get hurt. Uh, and that's the and, only way, yeah. And Carson Wentz could make a great recovery. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's exactly, a, yeah. yeah. That's the only way that Carson's going to be active, yeah. it, is active. Otherwise, I, they're going to ride. But my point is, like, and I know there's there's probably a segment of the fan base that says, if Carson's healthy, you got to have him as the backup. I don't see I them, just doing, don't that see them doing that. I agree. I think I, mean, that, I get I get it. It makes sense. He's way better than Nate Sudfeld. And what happens if Nick gets hurt in the middle of a game? You see, but this is this is why you can't do that. You'd be effectively benching Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz is your backup, you're you're benching Carson Wentz. Okay, but Wentz. I'll play devil's advocate. Shouldn't Carson be able to take that? Good point, and he should. This is a real good conversation. He should, but I don't think they would subject him to that. It's such a. It's weird. It really is kind of yeah. weird when you think about it. Because that's look as as I long think, as I think they're more concerned about perception than they are about Carson. I think okay. Carson could take it. I think Carson would be fine being the backup if that's what they if that's what they do. They don't want all this other hysteria happening. The all the outside noise and the and the and the talk radio and the questions and the this and that and the media and, and us basically. They don't want that happening. That's why they would never put Carson in that position. That's my that's my feeling behind it. The I way, think Carson could handle it. Yeah, the way I see it is that they'll ride with Foles and Sudfeld unless Foles gets an injury that requires him to miss time and the Eagles are still playing. Correct. And then Carson's back is healthy enough to play. I, th- I really think that's the way they're playing it right now. And they probably look at the odds of that happening to be extremely exactly. slim. Exactly. So, but what happens if he does get hurt and all of a sudden they go to Sudfeld and Sudfeld shits the bed, then... Then you're talking about what it, what it could have showed us. Okay, yeah. I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves here. But, but it's in, I mean, they're not even practicing Carson. It doesn't sound like there is a no. change in one's practice no. status. I mean, and Doug had said that he got more positive news. If we are to believe that the injury didn't occur in the in the Cowboys game, it happened sometime in November, probably October, when we first popped up on the injury report. We're talking now one, two, almost three months since since the injury first occurred. And, and Doug had said initially that it was a three month injury. And it's been a month this week since he stopped playing. Well, you know what I would love to know? What's that? What, what Carson, Carson thinks. thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there, man. I am with you there. Meanwhile, he is extremely quiet. I joked with him after when I saw him in the locker room last week just because no one was talking. Well, there's no one there to talk. And he walked in out of nowhere. He's one of the few guys in the locker room. I'm like, will you talk? And he's like, no, maybe next year. <laughs> I think he was just joking. I hope. Um, but he's, you know. And I, I gotta tell the story because uh, Les isn't here, obviously Les Bellin. But apparently, Les, Les, when he walked in the locker room, he saw Carson getting dressed, and he said, "Hey, nice win." <laughs> what was Carson's reaction? Apparently, Carson laughed. Carson, all right. So I'm glad Carson, he laughed. Like he, I mean, yeah. I would, I would not, I wouldn't have the balls to say that. <laughs> that was like. With Fletcher Cox, when the the example you gave when oh, there was yeah. a national Tanger, reporter, yeah. and he said, did, we, did we talk about that on we, the podcast? We did. And he said, when they were doing the top 100, and yeah. is Aaron Donald your number one? That's well, the, the one time I said something like that to a player was recently was um, this year, the last day of training camp, last day of um, spring workouts, and Nelson Aguilar was talking. And I was like, at the end of it, I'm like, I'm like just stay away from the strip clubs today. <laughs> 
<laughs> you are punchy today. And, and he got and he got he got angry at me. You are punchy and Nelly, today. And Nelly and I have a really good relationship actually. Now it's really kind of uh, it's good. I like him. I, he you know he'll 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 talk to me on the side and help me out with stuff if I have a question about a story or whatever. But he was not very pleased with that question. <laughs> All right, let's 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 go back to the game. Uh, defensively, I think our listeners are are, are going to enjoy those uh, <laughs> those aside. Yeah, but um, defensively, uh, Jim Schwartz has done a phenomenal job this last Agreed. month. Um, you know, with names like Cravon LeBlanc in your secondary, Corey Graham, Trey Sullivan. I mean, these are guys that weren't even playing. Well, aside from Corey, but those other two guys weren't weren't even on yeah. the roster. Too Honestly, ever since that first Saints game, or yeah, the Saints game. I think Jim Schwartz has, has done a very good job coaching. I mean, there were questionable second halves at times. The Houston game comes to mind. But overall, uh, they're playing stout. He's, he's made do. Getting Avante Maddox back certainly helped in the secondary, although Maddox was beat on a few double moves yesterday he, by he Allen was, Robinson. He was toasted um, more than just a few times. Uh, but overall, I look at it and, and, and say – he, he went seven consecutive quarters keeping an opponent out of the end zone. Uh, they're really finding a good rhythm. He's calling a good game. I thought going into the game yesterday, uh, I'd, say, I'd say Tyree Cohen was really the offensive player you had to worry about, and they basically shut him down. Yeah, I wasn't real super worried about him because I knew Malcolm would – they had Malcolm on him for the most part, and Malcolm would keep him in check, and that's what happened. Yeah. And Cohen, Cohen, after the game, said they had just had a really good game plan on me. And it wasn't just Malcolm. Corey Graham actually was on him a few times. And, of course, when they went in zone, it was it was a combination of guys. But when they're in man, for the most part, it was Malcolm. And Malcolm, you know, I'm sure he was raising his hand for that one. It's going to be a little harder to go against Alvin Kamara this week. But yeah, we we'll know that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, Jim went with a lot of dime and nickel. He matched up, uh, I guess, maybe because they didn't have Trey Burton. He probably saw that they were um, going to go with more uh, three, three, tight, uh, excuse me, three wide receivers. That was a big did. loss. Yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly somebody that, that's one less player that they have and one less guy who's caught over 50 passes and over six touchdowns, or six touchdowns. so that certainly affected them, I thought. So what um, do you make of the Eagles playing a lot of heavy dime? Jordan Hicks really didn't take that many snaps because they didn't even play nickel that often. Um, they were in heavy dime with Nigel as their linebacker and Trey Sullivan, who's become a big part of this defense. I think they wanted to go with speed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they felt like they, uh, they needed to get some, some fast guys out there. Um, the Bears aren't particularly big, uh, and Allen Robinson on the outside got him got him pretty good. I think they felt like they'd take their chances uh, with Robinson versus Cohen. So Jordan Hicks played twenty three snaps. That was thirty six percent. Yeah, and Trey Sullivan played forty eight snaps. That's seventy five percent. Yeah, Who would have guessed that going into the yeah, game? Yeah, you can imagine if they lost the game, it would have been like, why is Trey Sullivan playing this many mm-hmm. snaps versus Jordan Hicks? But I mean, Jim saw something. Uh, and he made it work. Um, just two sacks in the game, but I felt like they pressured Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Who, I agree. Who actually, I mean, for three quarters, I thought I, I thought he was trash. But he he, he made some tough he made some tough throws in that fourth quarter. So Great. I don't think his ceiling is is particularly high, and I'm not sure you know long term how good he can be. But he showed me some on, he had some onions on some of those throws, so he showed me a little bit there. Um, but um, you know, overall. Obviously, there's there's something about this team, and uh, there's something about Nick Foles, and uh, they're riding obviously a wave of emotion, a wave of confidence. Uh, I'm not going to ask you for your for your prediction yet. We have two more podcasts before we get to that, but 
gut, can they win this game? I think they can. I mean, I don't think they're going to. We'll get into that later this week, like you said, but I think that I had the Saints winning the Super Bowl this year, and 48-7 spoke very loud. The Eagles are a different team than they were then. Your two teams are still alive. Yeah, Saints and Patriots. Your two teams are too. Eagles and Eagles and Chargers. Eagles and Chargers. That's right. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no. I I just think that the Saints are are too much. And frankly, I said this last week for why I thought the Eagles were going to win. I think the teams that hurt the Eagles are when they have a quarterback that can neutralize your pass rush and take advantage of your secondary. Mitchell Trubisky, I didn't think was that type of quarterback. Drew Brees is that type of quarterback. I think it's going to be a long day against Drew Brees. So unless the Eagles can win a shootout, I don't see them going down there and winning. Doug's got to, I mean, we'll talk about this more, but Doug's got to come out and be aggressive. He can't be as trigger shy as he was in that first game. And they need to run the ball better than they did, too. Yeah, which may be a struggle. They didn't run the ball well against the Bears, obviously. That's the number that's one the top ranked, ranked, That's the top ranked run defense. I felt like Doug kind of tried to hammer that, that square peg in that round hole a little too much in the first half. He called 10 runs to four passes on first down in the first half. Ten passes to five runs in the second half. I felt that had something to do. With, I felt that that had something to do with the difference uh, in the second half. They were they weren't getting big chunk yards on first down, but they were getting six, four, five those types of yardage with those short passes, and that benefited them. That's what we talked on this podcast last week about. Yeah, and I just I was surprised it took him a little while to get to there, but he finally got to there, so he deserves credit for that. There was a third and three call that went to handoff to Darren Sproles. I didn't understand at that point why you did that in the fourth quarter. They, they could not move the ball on the ground. He got away with one early in the game, third and nine. Sproles picked up ten yards. That really caught him, off, caught him off guard. But for the most part, I thought Doug had a decent game. No big errors, I thought, in terms of play calls. But uh, he was dialing him up down, down the stretch there and, sure. and ultimately got it done. Um, I guess that's it, Zach. What we did, we've done about over 20 minutes. What's your answer to that question? Though? Oh, um, I think they can do it. Do I think they're going to do it? No. But they um, can. The, the one week off is going to really benefit the Saints. And we've seen some teams before where, the, where that, that buy. Um, but we saw the Eagles last year. They came out slow in, in that game against the Falcons coming off the buy. Um, and the Saints haven't been indestructible the last month. You know, the, the, the Cowboys. Did a really good job of shutting them down. Drew Brees did not look good. Um, but that being said, I just think Sean Payton is too good of a coach to to kind of have a, a major setback. I think Drew Brees is too good a quarterback too. So, but but, but we'll see. It, they're they're in this position. We got to watch the film. We got to <laughs> we got to look over the numbers. We got to look at the matchups. And then the Eagles have Nick Foles. They didn't have him. Two months ago, at quarterback. <laughs> that is true. All right, well, that's it for the Bird's Eye View podcast. That's Zach Berman. I'm Jeff McLean. Hopefully, I'll, have, I'll be a little more uh, <laughs> lucid in a couple more days. Talk to you soon.